You're listening to The Essentials. The Essentials is a developmental podcast of the Eastern PA District of the Alliance. We develop kingdom workers for increasing gospel impact. With The Essentials, we invite you to be part of a conversation that asks the core question, what is essential in church ministry? Here's your host, David Dixon, with Nate Howard and Alan Rathbun. Hey everyone, welcome to the Essentials Podcast. Uh, Nate, Allen, and I are excited to begin this conversation about what is essential in church ministry. It's a conversation that we have been having ourselves and one that we have been praying through together for almost a year or so now. Uh, but before we jump in, let's do some quick introductions. First, uh, my name is David and I'm your host. Uh, I'm also the Director of Strategic Implementation here in Eastern PA. Uh, and I'm pumped to have these conversations because I believe that Jesus wants to do something new in our church. And I'm Nate. I'm the superintendent of our district. You're right, David. These conversations have been going on for a long time. There's been a lot unfolding. And I would be super pumped if this podcast ends up sparking similar conversations between pastors and pastors and pastors and their church leaders. And I'm Alan. I'm the director of multiplication for our district. And I'm looking forward to these conversations because my heart is to help pastors be fruitful with Jesus. And we can't be fruitful if we don't have clarity about what we're trying to accomplish with him. And if you recognize Alan's voice, that's because he's also on the Equipping You podcast uh, for the National Alliance Church. Well, for our listeners, uh, this podcast is designed to be an unfolding conversation. Uh, Each episode is going to be our conversation around some different questions about the essentials of church ministry. And we're hoping that as you listen, you get a glimpse of kind of how we're talking about these things. But we're also hoping that it's a conversation that you pick up, uh, that you continue with one another, with those on your leadership teams or with your elders uh, or even others in church ministry. And so to that end, you're going to be seeing us talk about the essentials, not just in this podcast, uh, but also through our district blog, through our videos uh, and other places uh, that we'll be able to connect with you. All right, so let's get to it. Uh, this idea of focusing on what is essential. Uh, so what what led us to begin to have these conversations? Well, for me, um, it started months ago uh, in the middle of COVID um, with a middle of the night experience that I literally woke up with this strong sense of urgency in me. I wouldn't put in the category of panic, but a strong sense of like wake up are we really giving ourselves to what's most important and it was almost like i put on a set of lens there and i started to look at all the uh, all that i was seeing in the conversations that i was having with uh, pastors in our district through that lens and repeatedly i felt um, a lot of love for our pastors but at the same time i felt that there's some confusions there confusion there particularly that surfaced out of COVID of, are we really giving ourselves to what is most important and are we doing that effectively? Yeah, I think for me, it's thinking about how when we talk about some of the big important terms that we wrestle with in ministry, terms like disciple and discipleship and evangelism, that there's there's not clarity. There's a confusion around those terms. And, and if we don't really all agree on what a disciple is or, or how we make one, and we're not clear about that, how can we actually accomplish it? Uh, 
And I think, as Nate said, COVID really helped helped us to say, are we clear about what's most important? Yeah, and I think I saw something happen that um, we'll, I'm sure we'll continue to talk about here today, but this idea that we, you know, we would say, well, we know what's important. Making disciples is what's most important. But then we quickly define that in a way that's sometimes too small. So discipleship means like we get we get them in small groups. So small group attendance becomes what's most important. But are we really experiencing what discipleship is all about or what's most important or essential there? Or have we just quickly substituted something there and say, yeah, we've got that one. I think that the conversation goes deeper into what truly is effective without quickly saying, I think that we've got that one. Well, that's where the whole definitions of terms comes in, right? Because if we don't have a clear definition of where we're going or what we hope the outcome will be, or, you know, what a disciple is, what the mission of the church is, then really we end up being less effective because we don't really have a clear definition in mind of where we're actually going. So both the the definition is important, but also it helps us to understand how effective we are being as a church. Yeah. And I think it's important too for our perseverance in times like these. Uh, I know that I take long drives on vacations at times. Uh, and what gets me there is a clear picture of mine of where I'm going. And I'm really excited about that. And in times like these, if we are not clear and excited about what we're doing, then it's easy to give up. I think that part of what brought us to this as well it's, it's a bit staggering or it can be a, a bit somber, but um, there's not a strong sense among us. I'm not talking about our district team. I'm, I'm talking about evangelicalism at large or even the Alliance Church at large. There's not this overwhelming sense that we're all saying, we're doing a great job. Like it's, we're really, really super effective. I think all of us deep down ask questions like, are we really doing what's most important here? Are there things that would tend to derail us? I'm sure you guys remember that Willow Creek study, you know, way back, what was it, 2003, the reveal study, where they they asked the simple question, um, is it true that participation in the activity of a church will make for fruitful disciples of Jesus? And they were really hopeful that the answer was going to be, yeah, but they found no no real correlation between involvement in the typical rhythms and activities of the church that yielded the outcome that we were looking for. And I think if we would be really honest and have a conversation about those things, I think that we would all tend to think, I think that there's more for us there. I think there's an invitation of God for us to press in a little bit harder onto what is really important and are we giving ourselves to it rather exclusively, and are we doing a real good job at it by setting some other things aside so that it's very clear for us what we're about? Yeah, and I mean, you know, we think about the church being around for almost 2,000 years now as well. There's a hesitancy to enter into those conversations, right? Because there's the tradition of things. There's the way things have always been done. There's the, uh, you know, the way people come into your church thinking about these things that we're feel like we we can struggle to ask these kinds of questions because it touches on something much deeper than just, Hey, we need to shift this program around or, Hey, we need to do this new different thing. It really gets at some core heart issues uh, that we're seeing there. Well, and the truth is who has time to do it? 
right? I mean, with our, like, there's a certain reality that happens in church ministry that you kind of get the ball rolling. You know, the machine is running and you just, you got to do your very best just to keep up everything, get the volunteers that you need for that programming, get your Sunday sermon ready. I mean, there's just lots that are going on. Who has the, the time to step back, pause and see it from another angle? And actually for me, like COVID, that was our time. Like that was our yeah. opportunity to do that. But very quickly we found ourselves wrapped up in some other stuff without really still having that time to pull back and say, what is essential? I think a lot of times the way we look at things, uh, we tend to look at our our church programs as like a big funnel at the top. And we just think at the top of our funnel is big enough that people can jump into the funnel of our programs. And hopefully we hope that a disciple or a few disciples comes out the bottom rather than actually intentionally aiming for uh, making disciples in a, in a very um, effective way. That's a great picture. Yeah, that's a great picture. I, I, I hope that people hearing this will start to ask themselves those kinds of questions as well. Yeah. We certainly want our pastors, our team members, <laughs> to feel the permission and the courage to wrestle mm-hmm. these things and tackle them. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Well, that's kind of, you know, what we just did there kind of gave a current reality look. That's kind of how we got uh, onto this conversation. But I'm curious, you know, we've talked about, you know, this sense of definitions or confusion on definitions. We're talking about uh, a sense of, you know, there's some questions here, some heart questions that need to be answered or worked through. Uh, So I'd like to ask this next. What do you think led us here? Uh, as you know, the big C church, what led us to this place where there is confusion and there is maybe a sense of uh, lack of effectiveness there? Well, I, I see at least two things, and I'm sure that it's complex and that there's more. I think there's an external thing. There's some things happening in our culture that press in on us in church ministry. And I think there's some internal things. Uh, one of the internal things is... Um, I think that sometimes there's kind of a remnant mindset among our churches, like we're the last survivors, like holding on to something that's really precious called the church. And we can see in our society that church is diminishing in in its sense of influence. So there's almost like a preservation or survival mindset. And I think that that... um, that can easily lead us to a lack of focus about what is most important or even wanting to ask those kinds of questions because we've got to hold on to what is. Yeah, I think one of the telling examples of that, I'll never forget one of our regional gatherings where uh, I believe, Nate, it was you prompted me to share this. We had it as a personal conversation among our team and then you thought it was the right time for me to share this at this gathering. And I I, I said, you know, a lot of times in our churches, we never... Stop and ask, how can we reach young people until we look around and realize if we don't have young people, our church won't survive. And what happens is then we have a wrong motive (laughs) in which we're wanting young people so that we can preserve our church rather than we want to reach young people because they need Jesus. That is a telling sign that we sometimes... Not intentionally, but we have a preservation mindset and a survival mindset more than we do a mission mindset to be to in, embrace our sentness with Jesus. Yeah, and part of that goes back to as well, I think, the relationship that we've had with our culture, you know, because that sense of preservation comes as there is an increased uh, 
uh, or I say, I guess, a decreased uh, sense of the church's place within the greater culture of especially our country uh, as a whole. And so because of that, there's a sense of reaction, right, that we have to preserve ourselves. We have to step forward into this survival mode in order to be able to either do God's work or, you know, do the ministry that we're supposed to do. And that in essence, that preservation, that survival kind of instinct type thing kicks in and we begin to put that as the forefront and not uh, really the things that are yeah. most important within the church. It, it's kind of like a, a conversation about focus. So if the essentials are what we are to be focused on, there are certain things that draw our attention away from that onto things that take its place or that become an alternate uh, mm-hmm. focus. And uh, so definitely our culture is continually drawing our attention away from what Jesus would call essential. I mean, we know, for example, that our culture is materialistic in the sense that what's material, what's visible, what's measurable, what you can count, those are the things that become most important to us. And so it's very natural for us in church ministry to become materialistic, where our focus is on like how many seats do we have and how full are they or uh, what's our what's our numbers like? And so those quickly become what's essential for the life of the church. And then it does become a bit of a um, of a, um, a preservation. Like how can we preserve our numbers? How can we increase our numbers? So th- I think we'd have to say that there is a cultural feed uh, to draw our attention away from really what Jesus would say is, is essential to something that is that takes its place. I think another one is is clearly the whole idea of consumerism. You know, mm-hmm. that's oh. we, we always bemoan that that there's that that mindset of what's in it for me, and if it's not good enough here, I'm going to go someplace else. So you put those two together, and we can easily have people that will skip out of our church, and we'll feel like, oh, we're losing, we're losing, and so it it starts to draw our attention to non-essentials. And I think there's a uh, a prevailing church culture too, in which. We look at the churches around us and say, oh, I like this about that church, and I want us to be like that church or this church. And a lot of times we can ask those questions before we ask the questions of, what does it look like for us to be good news people who are embracing the promises and the values of Jesus and let that be our culture more than comparing ourselves to other churches? Yeah, and that's where that sense of preservation, too, can show up in a church trying to be more like the culture of the world or community around them, uh, in the sense that in order to preserve ourselves, we need to to be more like. So there's two sides to that preservation. It's pull away, or the other side of that is to completely embrace uh, or to begin to embrace enough that people feel more comfortable or more okay here in our church because we look enough like the culture that's out there. And so that's where even the idea of being uh, relevant, which is a word that's been thrown around for who knows how many decades now, right? That idea of relevance, there is a <laughs> sense of relevancy. Yes, we need to be able to connect to the culture in a way that makes sense, but does our relevancy actually can it pull it can also pull us away from being people of Jesus uh, and that's where I think one of the pieces that's led us here is that uh, oftentimes we allow the culture to shape the decisions of our church or the programs or the the essential parts of our church more uh, maybe even more than we realize 
And this this conversation is not just kind of a theoretical, heady conversation. I mean, how many how many times have we talked to pastors during COVID who will say things like, um, you know, like around masks, for example, like mm-hmm. we're 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 drawing the line and we are going to mask during our services. And then all of a sudden people say, if you're going to make me wear a mask in this church, I'm going to go down to the other church you know, where they don't make me wear a mask. And then all of a sudden the conversation all gets turned because we, we can't lose people over this. Like whatever is important, like is secondary now because we got to make sure that we keep our people. And I, I don't mean that to be critical of any of our pastors. That's a challenging thing to walk through. That's a hard sure tension to walk through, but it's just an example of the kinds of questions that pastors are asking themselves every day which really comes down to, are we focusing on what Jesus would call essentials or are we drawn by our culture to focus in and in, to our own preservation? I mean, honestly, there'd be pastors and I'm sure I felt it like, but if I don't keep this ship afloat, I'm going to lose my job. I mean, that's a preservation thing as well. So it's, yeah. it's, we're not saying that it's a bad thing to fall into. We're saying it's a natural thing to fall into. And even more, we have to have continuing conversations about what's essential. Yeah. And I, I think when that relevant thing is, it's an important concept and discussion to have. But the question we have to ask ourselves is, are we seeking to be relevant so people will like us or that? or so that we can love them better. That's a, that's a fine line there that's really important to search in our souls and hearts and minds. Yeah, and that's where, again, having a clear understanding of, you know, de- defining those things, disciple, mission, even as we're talking about the essentials, those clear definitions become our our values that help us with those kinds of decisions, right? That's why we're wanting to get into this conversation, uh, you know, and now even now looking at what led us here. So let's shift the conversation a little bit and move to uh, like, what would it look like? uh, Like what would be different if we were to kind of go, if we were to go through the process of focusing on what's essential what would that look like? How would it be different? Uh, and then even in that, I'd like us to touch on as well, like what are some of the things that we might lose or be required of us in order to pursue the essential? There's a question that has been stirring in my heart over the, the last few weeks, and it's a, it's a question that represents the conflicting values or the competing values that we often live within uh, in church ministry. And the, the question is simply this, is what is really big to Jesus, is it really big to me? Mm. Wow. I remember the first time you shared that, and I just thought, wow, that's a fantastic question. The longest word in that sentence, that question is Jesus. It's so simple, but yet it comes to the heart of the matter. So what would it look like if it's if we did it differently? What's big to Jesus would become our subject. Like and when everything's competing and you know, I used the example of masks earlier when all of this is going on, we pause and we ask ourselves a different question. What is really essential here? What's really big to Jesus and that would become really big to us. I think that's what would look different. Yeah, and one of the things that I love about that question is it forces you to begin by examining the heart and values of Jesus. You can't move forward with what's big uh, to Jesus if you don't know his heart, if you don't know his value system, 
if you don't know, like, what are the things that are really important to Jesus? Uh, and that, again, highlights the fact that we're talking about the essentials here. We're not just talking about uh, a program. We're not just talking about a fad or something like that. We're, we're talking about uh, our relationship with our Lord and Savior, mm. understanding his heart and letting that permeate the decisions we make, the things that we value, and how we go about living as the people of Jesus in our culture today. I think it's, it's an important kind of time to recognize um, that distinction this guy Jatani made in his book with, you know, I think sometimes we don't think about what's big to Jesus because we're too busy doing ministry for Jesus instead of doing ministry with Jesus. That's a powerful, that's powerful. Yeah, it is. And I, I think that in terms of the question about what, what, what's at stake, like what, what could be lost through that process, there's a really real dynamic that when there's a value shift and what's big to Jesus becomes big to me, that means there'll be some things that used to be big to me that I'm going to have to let go of. And I don't think that that's going, you know, um, what's his name, Skoogle or whatever says the expulsive power of a superior affection. Mm-hmm. Like ideally we would say, oh, I just fall so much in love with Jesus that every, you know, the the things of world grow, grow uh, vainly dim yeah, or yeah. strangely vain, dim. Yeah. Strangely mm-hmm. dim. I mean, yeah. that's what we would like to happen. But usually it's a wrestling match of mm-hmm. values. Mm-hmm. And there will be things like even my attendance. I, I could lose some things. I mean, if I really start to press in that my culture, my the world's culture tends to define what's important, and I press against that, there may be some people in this church that just will not like that conversation at all because we'll be touching something that's dear to them. So by valuing what's really big to Jesus, some things that are big to us are probably going to be less. They're, they're not going to become as big even to the point that we get rid of them. That's what makes this period right right now. That's a refining time. Yeah. When we d- we learn what's most important to us, <laughs> what we need to repent of if it's the wrong things are important to us, and then by the grace of God, recalibrate our lives around what is most important. Uh, I remember in pastoring uh, the church that I planted, uh, Community Alliance Church in Harrisburg, we went through a really difficult season and one of the things that came out of the other side is we just started saying on our leadership team, we just want to be a church that's great in God's eyes. And then we started repeating to the congregation. And that simple little thing, was, it became a shaping thing. you know. And I think this question is what is big to Jesus, big to us, is something that is so simple and yet so big that not only can we say it to ourselves, it's easy to say with our leaders, and it's easy actually to cultivate that so it becomes a question that people get used to asking about themselves. The individuals of our church can say, is what is big to Jesus big to me? That's That has an opportunity to be impactful. And really the flip side is, is what is really big to me, big to Jesus. Like, Whew. yeah. Yeah. And, that, and you think about like that, <laughs> that's hard. That's hard, like yeah. soul work. That's yeah. Right. You know, because that question you just asked, there requires a, a level of brutal <laughs> self-awareness yeah. and honesty that is not easy. That's one thing I think is that we've found in kind of a serendipitous way 
uh, around this podcast and these conversations is that we're attempting to draw together some streams that typically stay separate. And there are there is some complexity to leading church ministry that has a strategic element to it. It has a missional or a gospel outreach element to it, but it does have this soul dynamic of having a healthy soul that's resilient enough to ask some hard questions. And when we try to separate those things um, and just make it a little overly simplistic, I think it's not sustainable. So yeah, there will be some soul wrenching times. If Mm -hmm. we ask ourselves that question is what really is big to Jesus. Has that become really big to me? So we've talked about some of the lost pieces with that. Let's, let's shift and focus on like, what would the pause, some of the positive outcome be of that? We, we get to that place. We say, you know what, what is big to Jesus is going to be big to us. And we want to move forward with that. We're willing to walk through the loss required. What are some of the things that we would potentially see on the other side of that? Well, I I think that um, there'll be a sense of uh, inner integrity. I mean, there'll be a sense of settledness in our own soul. Like, I I feel like I'm not as torn. I feel like I'm giving myself to to what really is important. And that's value added in in, in a person's soul. They they feel like there's worth or value. They feel like what they're contributing towards is something that's very lasting. I I think that would be a big win for us. Yeah, I think as well, I think of Paul's words in Philippians, you know, to be of one heart and one mind. That if we are willing to wrestle this through, the other side of that is— you know, not just as me as an individual pastor, but with my board, we can move really towards meaningful sameness of heart and mind, clarity and agreement about what matters most. For yeah. I, go ahead. I was going to say, I think it would change even what we celebrate, right? Yeah. That we would actually begin to celebrate different things because we would say, if this is a value for Jesus, then that's a value for us. And anything in that area would be something we'd say, that's what we want to celebrate. That's what we want to make a big deal about. I don't want to over preach it, but uh, there is a sense that Matthew 11 is true, that there is a yoke that we're currently carrying that is burdensome and there's no rest in that at all. It would be a wonderful experience to have that yoke taken off of us as we're more closely yoked to Jesus and what's big to him. Well, and that goes with, uh, I think this idea as well, that in this whole conversation, it's not so much about what we're saying, hey, let's add more to the plate. We're actually saying, let's That's do right. something different. That's right. Let's let's shift the conversation. Let's uh, re-examine what's there so that we're not just adding more, 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 but we're saying, what needs to change? I think having clarity about what is essential will also clear up the voices we hear in our head. I mean, there's a lot of voices that scream for our attention. They're, they're calling us to follow them. And sometimes we need to pause to say, whose voice am I like, what's the shepherd that's leading my life right now? And, and through having the conversation, I think we can have a bit more confidence to be able to screen out some of those intrusive voices. Yeah. And another thing, too, is I think on the other side of focusing on what's essential is that we'd realize that even in a culture that is walking away from Christ, that we find that the church can really thrive. Uh, I think of stories from the scripture about uh, men like Daniel who thrived in the midst of Babylon uh, in a very uh, paganistic culture. 
and yet he was there. He was thriving. Uh, and so I think our, the church can do that as well. As we focus on what's essential, we'll find uh, that um, we, we can do just that in the midst of our culture. Yeah. So as we continue forward in this, we've been talking about uh, what is essential. And what we'd like to do uh, for a moment here is actually bring some definition. We've talked about defining some terms being an important part of this. So we're going to define some terms that we're going to be using for this entire podcast. And the three terms are the essential ends, the essential means, and the essential tools. Uh, so let's let's start with the ends. So the ends is the, um, is the identifiable ultimate outcome. So in a golf game, like if you're playing golf, the outcome is to have, even if it's not winning, you want to reduce your score. Like you, you want to have it less. If you're a shoe factory, it's making shoes. If you're a, um, if you're a farmer, it's having, it's, it's harvesting that crop. If, if it's a marriage, it's, it's a healthy growing marriage. It's, it's an, it's a, uh, identifiable ultimate outcome. Now we say ultimate because there are outcomes that we're happy with, but from God's perspective, they wouldn't be the ultimate outcome. Yeah. And I think when we start talking about means, we're talking about you know, really required, and I, we use that word intentionally, required identifiable parts of what leads to that essential end. Uh, there's lots of things that we can do uh, in church, but not all of them lead to this ultimate end uh, that, that Nate is referring to. Uh, it makes a big difference that we really understand what really leads us down that road towards our essential end. And typically, the essential ends are not something that we really can control. So in, in, in an agricultural metaphor, you can't make fruit happen. The essential means are something that we can practice with diligence. And I don't want to say we can control it, but it is within our circle of responsibility. And if we give ourselves to effective means effectively, we can, with hope, believe that it will result eventually in what we would believe is the essential ends. Um, so uh, the one, one more thing I'd want to say about essential means is, again, there are means that, um, that some would say would lead to the essential end, but they may not be the essential means. By, by having essential means, it's probably few, it's probably limited, and again, it's probably identifiable. If you walk in these patterns repeatedly, it gives you the greatest likelihood of the fruit that you're looking for as your essential end. And that's what we're going to unpack during this whole podcast to realize that, you know, trying to distinguish what is essential means and what are helpful means, but ones that some church may use to choose that means and other may choose a different means. Uh, and we'll clarify that as we go along. So we're not trying to leave anybody in a some kind of fog here. We will get there, but we want you to know what we're trying to define uh, as essential at this time. Yeah, and the reason we break those down as well is because you can confuse the means with the end, and that that will, that will play into that uh, a little bit later in our uh, in the podcast. Um, but that's actually one of the things that prevents us from pursuing the end or staying focused on the end is that we actually make a means the end. Uh, the last definition we have there are essential tools. And so these would be things that are, are not necessarily required, but they are, uh, it's kind of the necessary equipment to pull it all off. These would be the things that we would 
say, yeah, this is going to be, uh, it's not the means, but it's the tools that become used with the means in order to reach the essential end. Yeah. Again, and think of a, a workshop illustration. Um, the tools are clear, but you don't spend all of your time sharpening your tools. I mean, that would be a, a bit futile, nor do you just spend all your time with, in the means, which is practicing the cuts or learning to sand better or um, so you, you, you give yourself to sharpening the tools, you give yourself to practicing the means, but you don't end there. You shoot for an ultimate outcome and, and you celebrate that outcome, not just the practices themselves. Yeah. I think, you know, I think of a gym, uh, which I would wish I had more experience with. <clears throat> uh, but seriously, when you go to a gym, you, you, you can learn how to use all the different machines, but the goal is not to figure out how to use those machines. The goal is to use those machines so that you can have the level of health, the areas of health that you're aiming for. That's excellent, yeah, that's yeah. a good example. So we started kind of what would look different if we were to focus on the essentials. We landed with this question of, uh, is what is big to Jesus big to us? Uh, and so that drove both what's required of us uh, and then also what we would get on the other side of that if we were to focus on it. And so that kind of that's the question that drives then how we look at the ends uh, and then the means uh, and the tools. So let's wrap up uh, our time together. So let's let's turn our focus to if we're going to pursue what is essential, what are the questions we're going to have to ask ourselves? What are the, the things that we need to turn our attention to or the kind of the work forward in this? So. You can tell I'm a pastor at heart. Um, I think immediately of, of Luke 14. And uh, before you go into battle, you have to be willing, you have to ask yourself the, the question, what are you willing, what are you willing to experience in this battle? Uh, another way to say it in a more positive way is, um, is there a sufficient sense in my own heart that I'm identified more by the gospel of Jesus Christ than by the outcomes of my life. Um, so whatever I would tend to give myself to, have I come to a place where I am secure enough in the gospel that I'm actually able and willing to engage in conversations with people and, and myself about really what is most important to Jesus and am I giving myself to that? And that's really key because that's a heart battle. And that's honestly, whether we're talking parenting or pastoring or friendship, the way those things, any of those really grow is when we engage each other from the heart and can speak to the heart of somebody else. And if we're engaged in the surface issues, that relationship is going to hit a standstill. And we're leaning towards this because of the sufficiency we have in our new identity as members of God's unshakable kingdom and, and secure sons and daughters in the family, God's beloved family, that gives us the security to ask these questions because we're not looking for security in other things that may not be so reliable. Todd Bolsinger has a book that I've really enjoyed on resilient leadership and adaptive leadership. And the, the thing that he says to be a resilient leader is you have to be grounded in the gospel. So um, I, I think that that's going to be essential. What's it going to take for me to be grounded in the gospel, which includes who are who's the community around me? Who are the people around me that I can have these conversations with? Who can I lean into to be reminded of gospel truth when it gets challenging along the way? 
probably doing this in isolation and just trying to figure it out on our own, it's not going to go well. Like we're going to need the input of other people. And especially when we talk about engaging our church in this and like releasing some things from our church, when we experience that cost, we better have some people around us that are helping us be well-grounded in the gospel. And I think, uh, you know, shifting towards some some practical pieces of that within the context of ministry, one thing we're going to have to wrestle with is even uh, one of the paths forward, are we asking the right questions? You know, as we're wrestling wrestling this through, we're doing so in the context of, of community with other leaders or those within our church, you know, are we asking the right questions? Because uh, it seems like that we just keep asking the same questions, old questions over and over again and then trying to find new answers. Uh, and it seems like one of the things that we need to do as a part of this is to ask new questions. Yeah, I mean, the questions that we we typically ask are, how can we get young people in the church? Like, we're an old church, but how are we going to get young people in the church? Or, I mean, some people even say in a more crass way, but we just need more bodies in the seats. We just got to get more people into our church. And we ask ourselves those questions. But if that's ultimate for us, if that's what we define as essential, my goodness, circuses have a lot of people. I mean, you're just going to have a circus to get a lot of people. You, you have to ask a different question. Otherwise, the results that those questions lead us to may actually take us away from what is big in Jesus's heart. Yeah, that's no, that's exactly right. And part of that, too, uh, you know, even that idea of just focusing on oh, do we have enough people in the seats, right? That becomes a that's a church culture thing. Right. right. That that becomes the question that we ask ourselves. If are we doing a good job? Are we being successful? That's really kind of where that comes from. So part of this is is even what what's the culture of our church? What are the habits, the rhythms of the things that we do? Do those lead to what is essential? Uh, are we conducting our services or whatever ministry opportunities we have? Our conversations, uh, you know, in our homes, in hallways, are they are, are there rhythms to those that end up pointing towards what is big to Jesus? And that takes brutal honesty. Like, what if we looked at all the programming at our church and say, well, the program is 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 the top of the funnel that's supposed to point to this outcome? Is it actually happening? And if it's not, what needs to change? I think another question that we have to ask ourselves is not what's wrong with everything out there. I mean, we tend to look outside the walls of our congregation and we think, and this is not a political statement in any way, but we tend to think what's wrong with our government or what's wrong with TV or what's wrong with social media. And we point to, well, that's the problem is out there. And we bemoan (laughs) that, but we never stop and ask the question, could there be something wrong in here? Could there be misplaced priorities within ourselves that if we don't address those, probably the opportunity for us to shape the culture around us will never happen. So I I really agree with you, David. Like, I think asking the right questions is really important. Yeah. And something you said there lets us know very in a very pointed way that we can't play the blame game. Right. You know, we right. can't play, well, if this wasn't happening, we would be better off. If this wasn't happening, we would our church would be making more progress, whatever the case. Or the if I only had this. If I only had this, right. You know, it, I've heard those kind of stories for decades, to be honest. I, I've even used some of those myself in the course of ministry. If we just had this or enough money for another staff person, right. you fill in the blank. There's so many things we say. 
But over all that period of time, there's always one common denominator, you know, our interaction and our partnership with Jesus and whether or not what's big to him is big to us. So we hope that uh, for you all that are listening, this is a, a conversation that is both uh, challenging and exciting for you. And we hope to continue to invite you into this along uh, our podcast here. Uh, but Alan, could you share with those that are listening, how could they engage with this beyond just listening to this podcast? Well, we would encourage you to faithfully seek Jesus and ask some of these hard questions that we brought up today. Uh, and we want you to know that we, we want to be supportive of you uh, as you ask those questions. Uh, so we invite you actually to also share this podcast uh, with your leadership team in your church. Uh, sometimes just putting something in their hands, or in this case in their ears, um, can, can start a conversation uh, that can change things drastically and help everybody you know, going back to Nate's circus thing, get the elephant in the room, you know, uh, the elephant in the room is, do we really talk about what's big to Jesus? And, and this podcast, we hope will give you a, a place to talk about some of those things. And so as a result, then we've also created a series of discussion questions that as your leadership team listens to it, we're going to be posting these so you can ask those questions with your leadership team. Uh, and you can find out more about those where, David? Uh, on our website at epdalliance.org slash essentials, uh, which is where you'll be able to find each of the podcast episodes, uh, discussion questions, and any other content related to this conversation. Yeah, I would love to see our pastors uh, call their elders and their board together on a with, with some kind of rhythm, um, these podcasts are going to come out like monthly, monthly. So there can be that natural rhythm. We really believe that there's no quick fix to this and there's no easy answers. And it's obvious that today we have not even said what we believe is essential in terms of the end or the means or the tools. We'll be talking about that, but we don't think that there's a quick, easy answer, but we do believe the conversation will be fruitful if we will engage it with that level of brutal honesty. And with that, we're going to wrap up our episode for today. Uh, we're so grateful that you've joined us for this conversation. In our next episode, we are going to ask that question. What is the essential end of church ministry? Uh, we'll talk about how we can shift our focus to what is essential. And we'll discuss how focusing on the essentials changes how we approach our lives uh, and ministry. So again, thank you for being a part of the Essentials podcast. We'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to The Essentials. To join in our conversation, please visit epdalliance.org slash essentials to find discussion questions for your church and more content related to increasing gospel impact. We hope you will join us for our next episode.